I need to shout out Blake again. Shout out Blake for the second time. He came up to me the other day and was like, you know I'm a camper, right? And he meant that he listened to the podcast, of course. And I've been wanting a silly little name for listeners of the pod. And there it is, hidden in plain sight. Campers. So hi, campers. I am your host, Haley Rawl. Welcome to Girls Camp. I am going to keep this intro short and snappy because we have a really rich, good conversation today. It is with my husband, Bentley Rawl, who's come on the podcast before, and two of our friends, Callan Roth and Jedediah Tunnell. And yes, they are all white, cis, het males. We joke a lot and talk a lot about why that is and are very aware of the demographic of today's panel. I am also fully aware and wanted to make very clear that there are many more important perspectives that need to be shared and that I want to offer here on the podcast, and I am working on it. I have some interviews scheduled that are going to offer different perspectives, and I'm really excited to get into more of that. So stay tuned. Lots of good interviews on the horizon that are more diverse than today's. But again, today's was not without intention and we'll talk more about that in the conversation. A quick little content heads up. We talk about masturbation at one point. We talk about sex shame, kind of modesty stuff as well. Other than that, there is some F-words and general swearing. Nothing graphic, of course, but, you know, if you're in the car with kids or your grandma or whatever it may be, just wanted to make sure you know what's coming. I think that is all for the intro, so enjoy today's conversation. So, hello. G-I-R-L-S-E-A-M-P, it's Girls Camp. Actually, really pretty. It's scout camp. <laughs> it's boys camp. Boys camp. It's boys camp. Boys Hello, camp. everyone. Welcome to girls camp. Our first boys panel. I'm tripping. I feel like I'm inside the podcast. <laughs> it's like three dimensional now. <laughs> I am here with Bentley Rawl, my husband, who's been on the podcast before. But we also have Jedediah Tanel. Cheers, love. And I actually hate the <laughs> <laughs> There's no going back. Oh, no. <laughs> it's set in stone. All right. Let's, and Callan Roth. Me. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> okay, so Jed and Callan are friends of Bentley's, friends of mine as well, but friends of Bentley's. How long have you all been friends? Jed and I since we were 11, and Callan probably when you were 13. We were 13, 14, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So you've known each other a good long time. Yeah, 10 plus years. 12, 13, 14, 15 years. <laughs> Give or take. How, I, don't, I don't do public many? math. Uh, you guys are going to have to solve this off here. 16. Plus or minus a few. <laughs> Perfect. We're going to be talking about the male perspective. I did specify, and I will continue to specify, the white male perspective. 
But I think this is the white straight male perspective. Yeah, white cis male. Right? Should and probably <laughs> be pointed out. That's the elephant <laughs> yeah. in the room. Why are we doing a podcast with here's, three white cis males? Here's so the reason why. heard our opinion enough, Here's the reason why we're doing a white cis male panel. <laughs> the church was built for white cis males, right? So I think having the perspective of you all who have left the church and hearing what you think, why you left is actually really interesting. So it's not unintentional that we've got a group of white cis males. Before I ask some questions, Jed and Callan need to give a little context on your faith journey. Callan, you first. first. Okay. Was born into the church. I guess slightly different uh, angle I had was that my dad was never a member. My mom was. I felt like I developed within the church pretty normally, whatever you'd call normal, just going to church pretty regularly. Had a desire from a young age to go on a mission. Did go on a mission. I think what's, at least what I feel is also slightly unique is that I felt like the mission wasn't as much of a pressure for me, given Mm. my situation. So Because of your dad not being a member. Yeah. So I really do feel like it was my choice. I don't think you need to have a mixed faith parents to make a personal choice to do that but for me it helped yeah I had a good experience it was really hard I went to Guatemala and it was just a a really tough experience and I really liked it and I felt like looking back I don't have after having left the church spoiler alert (laughs) I don't look at it as something that was overall negative or with contempt or animosity at all your mission specifically or yeah or I guess TLDR of that I I think it was a positive good experience for me cool fast forward Coming back from the mission, went to college, BYU, I'm going through BYU, dated a normal amount, not a ton, not a little. <laughs> I don't know what's normal, but... Um, Compared to Bentley, probably less. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's all relative, right? But yeah, I had a good experience dating for the most part and um, took dating pretty seriously because we all kind of wanted to get married, at least I did. But I ended up dating who is now my wife. And I think what's important about this whole situation in dating my current wife Ken who's Mm -hmm. been on the podcast worth mentioning but is that Ken was already on her way out Mm -hmm. um, and felt just a lot of uneasiness never really believed it so that's where we're pretty different I felt like I really believed it and that whole situation going through you know deciding to to marry Ken when it got serious and we wanted to decide whether or not to get married in the temple I think one of the catalyzing moments for me to leave the church or I guess the sort of impetus Mm -hmm. if you could call it that was that with this perspective of me whoever was going to be my wife and God as that triangle Ken being really nervous to get married in the temple asked me I mean what would it mean if I weren't to be in the church after being married and so that really forced me to take it seriously like I always expected to marry someone in the church my eternal partner and salvation blah 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 that question forced me to really think because I really loved Ken. She was right in front of me. It wasn't something that I like had to have faith in, like God and the church and, and those things. That question forced me to look at what was directly in front of me mm-hmm. and shift my priority. And that was toward Ken instead of this belief in God and a truth and yeah. salvation. That really helped me. That's that's what kind of set things a little bit in motion. I still continue in the church even after that. Yeah, we got married in the temple, actually, but that really helped Ken 
to make that decision, even though it was, it was tumultuous for her. A few years later, still going to church and then pandemic hit. We started going to church less, obviously, like everyone else. There were other events going through college and through the pandemic, um, including just having friends close to me that were homosexual and just really feeling more sympathy for them, Mm -hmm. really understanding their situation. I always felt kind of a a, a, other subtle doubts, I guess, like being on a mission, serving for what I felt like could be a really great corporation, the church. Mm. (laughs) It wasn't like one thing that just set things that set me out out of the church. Yeah, Um, totally. You know, it's a compilation of things, you know, line upon line, precept (laughs) upon precept. It's a slippery slope. (laughs) Yeah, that too. Frog in a pot of water. Yeah, I guess. Like many, I think I was trying to go through or be a a nuanced member of the church, like gave a very secular talk at one point, I remember, where I basically just quoted Aristotle and like Plato. (laughs) And for me, yeah, given that talks like that and kind of being on the cusp, I'm not sure if there was anything that just had me say, okay, I'm out. It just happened that mm-hmm. way steadily, and it was really helpful to have Ken, who was ahead of me. Like, my journey has been slower. Hers is a little bit more quick. She has more trauma. It's very different. I don't have what I feel trauma from the church. I mean, I had a really tough mission and like, going to a third world country. I guess I could explore that as a potential trauma, but I overall feel like it was positive and building. I can look back at it as such, and... Again, that's coming from a white cis male. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. It worked really well for me. Yeah. But I I do not believe that it's true. Mm-hmm. But I can look at it f- from my perspective and be okay. It frustrates me. I guess I'm, I'm giving mixed messages here because there are definitely things that, that frustrate me and make me feel upset, especially for Ken or for friends that are homosexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That don't, yeah. I can't say okay. And totally. like, I can't say are okay. And, but for me, genuinely, I, I just don't have that trauma. Um, my experience is different. It was, it was positive and the church was made for someone like me. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of yeah. where I'm at now. Interesting. That's interesting because I have a theory, which you've just disproved, but I think from my anecdotal experience, it seems like it's actually harder in a way for white cis men to leave the church because you have more to lose because the church is built around your experience mm. and you're in a position of privilege in the church. Oftentimes you have, you know, you have opportunities for leadership, accountability, responsibility. So I think for some men, that's more difficult to step away from. It's more of a loss. But to your point, you can maybe look at it as something that is less traumatic that you can move on from maybe a little bit more easily yeah. for that same reason. For me, it wasn't that way. I think the biggest thing for me, what's been hard, I think, you know, Jed Bentley can agree to this. We've talked a little bit about it. It's hard to not have all the answers for everything. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm wrestling with now. And I've learned a lot, but it's difficult because I feel like a spiritual infant because I had a pretty narrow view of spirituality I have these tools that are useful and good, but now I feel like the doors are really opened and I'm learning a lot and and don't have that solid ground. It's like kind of a free fall, which is hard, but also good. I'm grateful for that. I have now a new perspective of what faith is. For me, it's Mm. not this belief. Like it's a very agnostic view. That's what I would call myself Mm. at this point is that I'm open to everything yeah. But I really don't think anyone knows anything for sure. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. I didn't know a lot of it. 
That's why I love doing this with friends because I get to hear (laughs) more about your story. I really love what you said about Kenna too and how that like tangible love for someone right in front of you started to outweigh something less tangible. I'll say that she's helped me a lot, a ton, just understanding her experience or hearing her experience. And yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. I want to talk about that more after we hear Judd's story, because I'm curious about how the women in all of your lives kind of shaped or maybe helped guide along those faith journeys by sharing experiences or like sharing that discomfort that you didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily experience firsthand. Before I even get into it, though, I certainly couldn't have done this without Carly. Mm -hmm. And I can hear the 20-year-old version of Jed hearing me say that and him saying, run away, like, stay away from a woman who would ever lead you astray, which, again, is such a terrible, like, lecture that we were given as as young white men in the church to be like, and make sure you you pick a woman who's going to keep you... Like your faith strong, you know, and what a kind of an unfair lens that I even looked at Carly through. I regret so many things. It sounds can 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 you not already tell? I'm like so (laughs) embarrassed and ashamed of all the like mentalities I used to possess. The perspectives were so narrow and so unfair. And again, just like I said, how much more love I could have offered to somebody like Carly if I hadn't been so yeah narrow-minded when we had met right and now i think our relationship is so much stronger mm-hmm. post-mormonism which sounds so ironic i think to anybody who's still in it or and uh, again like if the younger me was listening to me say this he'd be tripping yeah he'd you'd be like, like there's no way he'd be like that's another planet that's like a jet from another planet uh-huh, uh-huh. which i guess now rewinding to the the question you asked i mean i i if there was ever like a checklist item that mormonism offered Jed was there to like, not only check it, but like try to create some grade within it that didn't exist and get an A in it, you know? Mm -hmm. I remember being eight and getting baptized and I remember saying the word crap or something like right after and regretting it. I was so scared that like, oh, I just washed all my sins away. And I remember that too, after I got baptized. and, And that's where, that was the level of passion I had genuinely toward Mormonism all the way up until I was walking down the streets of... Carlsbad, California, and some woman took me in her backyard and sat me down with this companion whose name was Jedediah. So two Jedediahs sitting in the backyard of some strange woman. And she sits me down and she looks me in the eyes and she's like, did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? Between the age of eight and that day in my life, nothing had rattled my potential belief in that, you know? Mm It's kind of frightening when you realize how fragile that is in hindsight and how much I had propped up against it. So there was no real Jed kind of behind it. I was assuming the identities of the organization that I believed in. Yeah. And then the minute that's gone, who's left, you know? So even looking in the mirror these days, I'm like, who's this guy? I guarantee people look at photos of me on the internet and they're like, what happened to Jed, you know, like, or at least that's how I see myself through the photo. And again, it's, it's funny to even hear you talk, Callan, about your experience and how you, you, you handled it so maturely and like with such higher intelligence than I could. Cause I, I just, there was so much anger and then there was so much pain. And even now as we're here talking about it, I'm like hyperventilating. Cause I'm thinking about how much it charged my emotions, you know, it was so integrated in my Does that life. still affect you? You still think about what other people might, like, oh, what happened to Jed? Does that still come oh. to your head all the time? Yeah, I wish there was another perspective I could ever possess. I'm locked 
in that planet. And and I, maybe I do escape it occasionally when I like, I don't even know. No, yeah. it's interesting because like it, I never think about that until something triggers that. I'm like meeting someone that I haven't seen in years or I'm seeing them yeah again mm. like that's, a long time the, that's the only time when i like oh shoot or i run into someone from my mission and i say like a swear word around them just to like gut check test the water test the water <laughs> that- I, did, I did that with my mission president the other day what's up mother- that motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> no. he's like my dog he's like elder tanel it sounds like it was such a gigantic identity piece for you maybe yeah. more than anyone i've ever talk to about it and why i even feel like remotely relevant honestly to be like being recorded right now is just in case there's somebody like listening right now who also you know tied a string around their bedroom door so they wouldn't walk out of their bedroom without remembering to kneel and pray i remember that if you him doing that jed doing that i never (laughs) did if you like like i had a journal and this sounds like psychotic i used to keep a list of every kid in my quorum every name of the kid and I'd have all these thoughts about how what I believed in them and then like what I wanted to do to help them grow. And I was like studying my scriptures at night, annotating them, putting the scriptures like next to the kids. I was like radical. I could have done anything they asked me to do and, and it would have meant the world to me to go and do it. And so anyway, yeah, I, I'm all over the place when you ask me about my faith journey. But the it's bottom line is... Mormon. <laughs> I was super sick. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 I was an eleven. You were a boy for I, absolutely for Mormonism. And I remember this Chad time. Was so good at it. This is <laughs> no, and it sounds arrogant too. At the you same time, the to best. say no, literally, like I've said that, and I've heard myself say that to people, and I'm like, this kid sucks. No. Who just said that? I hate. I don't think. I, that. I don't think anyone's jealous of it. Okay, well, I think you're going to be the prophet. <laughs> you no, literally thought you were. No, dude, genuinely. Prodigy, like, dude. And I'm speaking again to anybody else who's listening and has like had this feeling touched by Mormonism in this way that makes me feel like I could be the only reason the planet exists, you know? And maybe that I'm just exposing that I'm a narcissist right now and that I'm feeling like well, I don't <laughs> think I'm that, the only that's, main character. <laughs> I do think doctrinally like that's supported in a lot of ways. Yeah. When you think you're going to become a god and create your own planet and mm-hmm. literally like the, be a god. Yeah, the promises and the the patriarchal blessing and and the way you kind of read the coding. You can relate to that, Bentley. Can you not? Definitely, definitely. The church was yeah cultivating that. And and maybe and I really thank you, thank you for bringing this back to earth. You brought up the point about like wanting to hear our perspective because yes, this was quote unquote designed for us. And I've always had this thought that like if anybody played that game the way it was designed, it was definitely me. I gave it everything I had. And if I broke, if I cracked, A, that means that like maybe everybody can kind of, this sounds like I have a, an agenda here, <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I do kind of hope that like everybody gets this opportunity to like get some distance from it, you mm-hmm. know, and like just get a new perspective for a, a moment. And, and life is so like radically different when you do that. I'm done. It's yeah, I think. Oh, sorry. I just think it's, you do a a good job with the podcast of creating a safe space. Mm. I think, okay, why are we having three cis males again on the podcast? Not again, but like, why are we hearing these three guys talk about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's just creating an environment to share our experience just like anyone else. I don't think we necessarily like need our experience to be heard again uh, to reiterate that, but it is creating a safe space to Jed's point. Just you know, maybe someone can be hearing this and feel totally. like, oh, well, they experienced this. I mean, they're okay now. Oh, because, or, yeah, you know, because it was hard and it's hard for me or. And, and maybe I can bring this around because like there's this time of life where you're gripping onto the edge of a cliff by your fingernails spiritually. 
and emotionally. And it's so scary and painful. And I just like want to run and hug anybody who's going through that and be like, like I've been there and you're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. It's the whole thing that you were discussing. Like you feel like you're falling. And mm -hmm. this is now what faith is where it's like, I don't know. I just have to hope. I just have to hope. Mm -hmm. And yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah <clears throat> well, I really appreciate that. I think having just the diversity of experience between the two of you and Bentley's already shared sort of his context and his story on the podcast. And it's also different, but I think it's really, really, really important that you both can share that story because people are going to relate to you both in different ways. I do think it's really fascinating that as we talked about with your story, Callan, it, it was different for you. You're saying you felt maybe less traumatized by being white cis male, but it sounds like almost Jed for you being put on that pedestal by the church and really leaning into it and buying into it actually created a ton of trauma for you. And you were trying to be the best version of what you thought you needed to be. So I think there's obviously loads of ways that you can relate to what the church is teaching and it can benefit you, but it can also really traumatize you. Quickly, Jed, you had that woman pull you aside on your mission. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. You're fine. If you could sum up what <laughs> okay, made yeah. you leave. When did you ultimately step well, away? Well, yeah, that's, this is a good place to come back. So she tells me these things that I didn't believe. I just started kind of spinning and thinking, like, I need to know now. So I go, I went to the library, and I started looking into it, and I'm like, she was right. And then I was like, well, there's got to be an answer now. And, like, I, I got to still believe. And I'm only, like, six months into my mission, and I'm, like, stressed because I wanted nothing more than to be out there. But then I had to find the answers. I end up rationalizing, piecing together a bunch of justifications, go through the rest of my mission that way. And then afterward, I met a friend. I don't know if he'll ever listen to this, but Cam Gould. Mm. And I'll forever kind of be indebted to him because he was my first safe place where I went. And I said, oh, dude, I heard all these things once and I knew all these things once. And he was so good about just being like patient and being like, hey, man, I remember that. That's okay. Like, I've been there too. And we kind of like together therapeutically went through it. That is like transitioning out of faith. Mm -hmm. And I was so lucky because, yeah, I was married and, you know, Carly and my wife has been so unbelievably cool about it. She was well ahead of me. Carly's sharper and like more down to earth. She can like pick up on weirdness. And she was like, She's like, Sweet, no, she knew. She's like, all right, Jeff, thank you. Okay. Wow. And I'm like, well, thank you for I've going to waiting. church with me for so long. I'm like, yeah. I'm so sorry. I was so intense. And yeah. And it, anyway, so that's when the shedding kind of began. And um, every day you try to like clip a little bit more of it off, at least for me. I don't know. Mm. Some people just feel like they take off the suit and walk yeah. away. But everything I do, it's still kind of inextricably connected. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that so hard to summarize it's so hard to summarize yeah. i know we'll get more into <laughs> it as we answer these questions i feel like we've been here for a couple hours already. <laughs> no okay. it's great Sorry, it's great okay i'm gonna jump into these questions so the question is it's a two-part question what do you feel like you lost leaving mormonism and what do you feel like you gained what do you feel like you lost let's talk about that first the spirit <laughs> the light in your eyes <laughs> my virginity <laughs> We didn't have sex until we didn't have sex until you left the church. Happiness. I lost. Um, what did I lose? One big thing that I lost 
<clears throat> leaving Mormonism was, and this doesn't have to, this doesn't really relate to being a, a male, I don't think, but maybe it does, is just purpose. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had a reason. If all else went to shit, like I, at least I had my calling in my ward or um, I had the priesthood. I could like bless my family or really do anything because I had the power of God. It really, I had this core belief, I guess you could say, call it faith and that everything was going to be okay because at least I had this mm-hmm. and therefore God had my back and leaving the church that inevitably left with it and you're faced with a lot <laughs> sorry <laughs> that, did you just burp that, that was the loudest like I, your I quarter pounder burp into the <laughs> Jeff just Honestly, had mcdonald's before this everyone oh dude it's, it's so awful <laughs> but like you're now faced like after leaving the church with or i was faced with having to define and finding i guess find that purpose yeah crazy yeah. to hear you say that because i do think at least from my singular female perspective I do think that's really different as a man, what you just said, because a lot of those purposes that you were able to rattle off don't apply to women, the priesthood essentially, right? Like that power you're talking about. And Hey, but women have the priesthood too. <laughs> in the temple, <laughs> right? Well, women can have babies. That's why it's fair. That's what I've always heard. Shakes out. No, I think that's really, that sounds really hard. Yeah. Like really, really hard in a way that, again, I don't think it necessarily was for me. What would you say you lost, Callan, the biggest loss of leaving Mormonism? Yeah, again, just a sturdy platform of having all the answers. I felt like as a missionary, I could, at least by the end of my mission, answer everything or at least play some mental gymnastic to rationalize Mm -hmm. any single question, which feels good. As humans, we want an answer to everything. We want a a story. I lost that. Purpose, I guess. I I feel like I've tried to ease into or, or land within a place that... I'm comfortable with unknowing some community too. It's hard to harder to find community, yeah, community. without yeah. church. It's convenient in the church for sure. Yeah, it's the convenient. Community. They give you good structure to find community to serve. That's another one. You you have to be more proactive to go find ways to to help and be in the community. Yeah. Um, Jed, what about you? I, I'm not sure how to like articulate it. It was like I had a lens on the front of my eyelids where I looked at mankind as I as humans as I like moved about my day. I looked at everybody and everybody had like purpose, hope and meaning and like a future. And the biggest thing I lost was the rose petal glasses or whatever they say. Mm -hmm. It's definitely that kind of filter or like funnel that used to channel experience through optimism Mm -hmm. and now channels it through nihilism. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it sounds like your story was not only about yourself, but about everybody so that almost feels like a loss on behalf of mankind the entire planet oh certainly because which is a lot yeah because we went from being everybody every person was a sheep to like a god Mm -hmm. and we were shepherds yeah and you don't see it that way anymore yeah and 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 to flip the coin now the the flip side is that i've actually i have restored it with a different perspective of our connection it's far more literal and scientific and like uh, it maybe it is a little magical to believe that we're all connected in some way that we can't define but uh, to Callan's point I'm, I'm I too feel agnostic toward it as if there's something I don't know for sure but I'm also sure that none of us really know mm. and so the thing I've gained though 
in terms of losing that lens and perspective is a new appreciation for every moment I'm in and a brand new appreciation for every kind of person I meet because I love meeting new kinds of people because suddenly I'm not judging them the yeah. way I did before I get to meet them again. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of fun. So that's the thing I've gained that that's really beautiful. Cool. Mm. Yeah. And you don't have to try and convert people or you're not looking oh, at people like, I know. Off. Oh my yeah. gosh. Talk about pressure being off. Like when you get on a plane. No, in an oh, Uber. An Uber is the worst. Uber. Oh, how many... I still talk to the Uber driver sometimes, but. Out of habit. Out of habit. Obligation oh to just preach my gospel. Mm-hmm. Should get that tatted somewhere. <laughs> on our knuckles or something. That'd be sick. Preach. Gospel on the other one. <laughs> I mean, even if you're not trying to convert, actively convert people, there's a very, there's an otherness about everybody else, I think, when you're Mormon, because you feel like I have the truth and nobody else does. So regardless of if you're trying to actively oh, bridge that gap, sure. you feel that way. Oh, and and it's it. such a relief to not feel that way anymore, for me at least, to just be like, we're all figuring this shit out. This is actually awful. something I've really wanted to say going into the podcast. Same. I think is for me the most important thing to state that I don't feel like can be reiterated enough. What can often suck about leaving the church and talking to members is this stigma that you are over the church in some way. I genuinely don't feel over someone who's still believing in the church. Over as in superior. Superior, yeah, enlightened, beyond. made mm-hmm. their way out and now no more. Being a member in the church and seeing someone outside the church that had left, I always felt that. And I just really wish that someone could approach me and have a conversation without feeling that. I feel like that prevents conversations too, where we're just going to start talking about, you know, all the why I know more than than someone within the church about X, Y, and Z and how you're brainwashed and blah, blah, blah. When I generally just want to have a, a conversation like we are now with anyone and not be put in this box where, you know, I feel, I feel now all enlightened and Mm -hmm. I've left the brainwashing and this and that. I mean, I was in it too and I'm just in a different place and we can have a conversation and I believe spirituality is good. And I have this agnostic view that religion can be really good. It can also be bad. Just look at history. (laughs) Yeah. But everyone's trying to point towards something and explain something. So that must mean something. Mm -hmm. That's all I, the most important thing I want to say for myself is I don't feel like I'm over and enlightened someone or, you know, enlightened relative to someone in, yeah. in the church is still believing. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. I think when we're speaking about what we gain from leaving Mormonism, it is so devastating and so life altering that for me, at least, I think it humbles you to that perspective, right? Of like, how can I now say I know better than someone who chooses to stay in the church, right? Because I believe something so firmly that now I no longer believe. So it it takes away that sense of certainty, for me at least, around literally anything. Mm-hmm. And I think gives a perspective of everyone's just trying to be happy, trying to do what is best for them and what's going to ultimately like fit their life best. Mm-hmm. And obviously it can get complicated because... There are really significantly problematic aspects of the church, as we all well know. But I think that's a good point to make. And for me, that's been something that I've gained from a faith transition is just realizing I know for certain I never want to be as certain about anything as I was Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. because that didn't feel good with how I interacted with people who thought differently than me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I resonate with that a lot. Good faith, good religion 
spirituality, whatever you want to call it, is having doubts. And I think that's what faith has become for me. It's mm. a never-ending doubt. And I think that's what good science is too. If you feel certain about something, then you've ruined the experiment. And I feel the same way about life. We should be learning and doubting always. Mm-hmm. Amen. But it's yeah, that was, that was profound. Yeah. <laughs> Soundbite yeah, from this that. episode. Yeah. No, I love that. I appreciate you saying that. What do you feel like you've gained from leaving Mormonism, Bentley? Myself, in a lot of ways, yeah. I'm in that process of still gaining that person that I feel like I was like stripped from in so many ways. And I feel like I've gained a voice again that's mine. It's not someone else's or an organization's or whatever. It's mine. Yeah, I think that's mm. a really good point because as we've been touching on in multiple different ways... It's nice to have all the answers, but those answers were not necessarily coming from within. The church was teaching them to us, or we were reading them in scriptures or learning about them from prophets. And maybe you could confirm those individually, but it's very different, I think, to have a much more self-driven journey toward finding answers. And to your point, I think it helps you discover who you really are and what you're really about when you're having to do that from kind of like a, yeah, a to, clean to, slate. And you have to challenge everything you've ever believed in. Mm-hmm. And you have a choice again. How do you want, how you want to live your life? Yeah. What do you actually think? Mm-hmm. Judd, you kind of touched on yours, but do you think there's, is there anything else you've gained from leaving Mormonism that you want to touch on? I was thinking about like on the track record of my life. Like I don't think people trusted me with their secrets until like there was like a, a pretty stark, contrast in my life between when I was a very active and I feel like I don't even want to conflate the fact that you could be active and self-righteous but I was very self-righteous so I was a very self-righteous active person so Mm -hmm. I believe like to count on your point like I know plenty of active Mormons that I like love and respect and I love the maturity in which they handle their faith and I respect a lot of that I do empathize deeply for the people who are like kind of going through it without like the motions of it, you know, because I, I having been through that, totally. I, I'm, I'm like, Oh man, I want to help you. I want to like show you that there is an alternative of belief, but you can choose the one that you have. If you ultimately do totally. here, I am to support you. Totally. Anyway. Wow. What a white male thing to do to just like <laughs> <No>. <laughs> explain myself. <laughs> Not at all. Any of you want to learn about Bitcoin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why you should invest? Drop your Bitcoin address <laughs> in can, the comments. Some tips. Let's talk about Tesla. Like, comment, share. I think please. it's Pulse X. <laughs> Here's a quick shout out to my Pulse X community. The plug. Uh, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. My Wrong point, message. please. My point is that the thing I've gained while I was a, a self-righteous active Mormon, I was people didn't trust me. I think I've gained people's trust, mm. and that's it's really special. When you have somebody's trust, I mean, that, that has to be one of the coolest human things on the planet like, that we have. It, it's so cool that we're able to all be like kind of creatures meandering around a rock. And then here we are, the four of us, we, like, we trust each other. And not only with the safety of our lives, but then the, our emotional lives mm-hmm. and our secrets and our like fears. And our, and our vulnerability. Our, and, I don't know. Our, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so sick. And like, that's the thing I feel I've gained post-Mormonism. As I'm hearing it, I think you're saying you gain people's trust not because you were no longer a Mormon. You gained people's trust because what leaving Mormonism did for you, right? 
Yeah, and I know, and as you summarize it, it really does seem like I was making quite the point of like, mm-hmm. if you're Mormon, no, people no, no, don't no, no, trust no. I don't think you are. I think you're saying that that's what you gained. Is as Mormonism was clearly not serving you. It wasn't doing, yeah, I, and I, I don't I think it was helping you interact with the people around you because you're saying yeah. the leaving, whatever happened to you in leaving, and who you are now, you found people trust you more. Yeah, like if I had a time machine right now, like the very first pit stops would be like every person in my life who I have like mistreated because mm-hmm. of the lenses that I had on. Should we talk about the mm. short garment debacle oh. of <laughs> Bentley and I have oh I'll have God. most stops on the way through Bentley, you know? <laughs> yeah, tell For that real. story quickly. <laughs> I was preparing to go on my mission. Jed and I both got our calls, so we went and both gotten down weeks apart from each other. I bought the short garments. They were short because I was like, oh I want to be able to wear shorts and not have this shit pop out of my shorts like a fucking <laughs> which is so fair valid <laughs> so valid and, fair enough. and um i thought like oh it's a no-brainer why would you get the longer ones <laughs> they were not only regular and short but there was longer which yeah. is kind of crazy. Um, crazy it's like your grandpa when he's walking around with shorts mm-hmm. on it's like hanging at he's wearing capris the knee. Uh-huh. but i bought the short garment jed not jed was over at my house probably we were probably geeking out about what kind of garments we were wearing mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I got, did you get the short garments? And he was, he was like, you bought the short garments. Those are for like short people. Those <laughs> no, are, I like really thought that actually you're challenging that thought for the first time in my life. No, I think they, they are. They are. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I, it's not a preference thing. I think it's like petite. It's supposed to be yeah. like, oh, if you're a short man. Yeah. Yeah, no, which right? I, <clears throat> I think. I would okay, no, no, but it, still valid. Keep going. No, it, made, I, yeah. it made sense, but no big deal. But it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's absolutely. Like, and then, but he starts. He goes and like starts to condemn me in a way, or just really just judge me and argue with me about yeah, man, wearing short garments mm-hmm. and that that I was like doing something really wrong, not respecting the garments or the covenant that I made. We're arguing. We're for some reason driving over to my grandpa's house, and we go in there, and my grandpa was, anyways. This is something we could like talk about, which is kind of something I miss. Actually, I lost like being able to connect with my grandparents in that way. Mm-hmm. We start talking. I was like, "Grandpa, all right, I need your opinion on this." And, what did he say? And he and he was like, "You know what, Bentley? I th- I think you're totally fine." But then I get a text from him later that day. <gasps> in the moment, I was so grateful. I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like, thank you, Jet. Like, that's that's end this argument." And and I won. <laughs> but then I get a text from my grandpa later that day saying. Bentley, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I actually do think that you oh. need to get, wear the longer garments. Oh, gosh. Dude, this is so vivid in my memory. <laughs> I was like, dude, but and then listen, I told my mom, and my mom was so yeah. angry. No, Your mom Deb- said, wear the short ones. Yeah, yeah. Yes. no, and, and no props to Debbie. Yeah, Very. Debbie knows OG. what's up. Debbie, you're an OG. I Debbie hope you're listening. Debbie knows what is up. I love you. I'm serious. Like, yeah, in hindsight, like, Debbie was like, Tell Jed to get fucked. <laughs> she really did. She said that multiple times. And minus, I was like, minus the fuck. And I was like, <laughs> and that's, that, this is exactly the point, dude. Like, that's so sick that you had a mom that protected you like that. Yeah. You know? I, I really that's was really cool. lucky. And I'm forever here's the thing, though, apologetic of here's like the thing, though, what Jed, I did. We've all in this room been on both sides of that story. And 100%. anyone listening has 100%. been on both sides of that story. For well, real. A, hopefully. For sure. Vote. vote. Let's For do like sure. a, a <laughs> Instagram I'll do poll. I'll a poll. That. <laughs> Were I you the Jed or the Bentley or the Debbie or the Grandpa Moore in that story? <laughs> I think we've all been all characters. Okay. I'm going to shift topics a little bit. We're going to talk about... The patriarchy. Drugs. <laughs> drugs. She's always talking about drugs. Yeah. No, I'm always talking what about the patriarchy, to be honest. Are. 
Someone says, someone asked, how do you move away from the patriarchy that is so ingrained in the church? How has that been to challenge that for yourselves in your marriages maybe? Do you feel like that still comes up for you? What does that look like? It's something that's been relieving for me. It's something that was just a doubt that I shelved and felt kind of strange about. So you always felt discomfort around the patriarchy. There's discomfort around it, yeah, yeah. So it felt like more of a relief, like I don't have to try to play mental gymnastics around it any longer. To justify. Justify it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just kind of seems a little silly to me now Mm -hmm. looking at it and thinking that I could rationalize it all so Mm -hmm. uh, succinctly in my my head for for so long. Again, I have to pound this to to the to the ground that uh I don't want to feel like I'm projecting a an enlightened yeah <laughs> ex-member. No, but, but I yeah, uh, sounds like it feels better for you to not. It just feels better for me. Yeah. yeah, that's uh that resonates more with me. What's crazy is that like when I was in the church, I was bought into the patriarchy. You loved the I loved the patriarchy. I really did. <laughs> And if I'm being honest, I feel so embarrassed to say that I was that way. But like I, I thought I have the power over my family, mm-hmm. and over my wife, over my children. Yeah. You know, I, I really and felt so at my core proud of that. Yeah. I mean, as your wife, I think that's not great. But at the same time, I think it felt less like I'm in charge. You weren't like exerting scary control. It felt really validating to feel like you were important and i think that's an important distinction exactly Mm. i still don't think it's right but i think that you weren't like oh i'm gonna exert all this control which some mormon men do but i do think it gave you a lot of value and a lot of importance that i think makes sense and it's so fucked that even just thinking about that because like now like i'm so happy to like relinquish any of that in a lot of ways. I mean, I mean, I, th- I still feel like it's ingrained in me in a lot yeah. and I have to deconstruct it and it's a process. It really is. But I'm grateful to not be in that or just like that mindset. Yeah. You know? I mean, do you feel like, do any of you feel like it ever comes up for you? Do you ever find yourself having to like check yourself on that? Frankly, this is, this is how I feel. I feel men are better than women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, am I allowed to say that? Like, is this going to get me canceled? Well, biologically. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, got everybody on their edge of their seat. Is Jed? What? <laughs> no, what I, what I was saying is I don't think I ever, I, I didn't realize how much that structure existed until I was post-Mormon. I looked mm-hmm. back at it and I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, yeah. man, 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 men, 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 men. Like, mm. Oh, and I was just a part of the the, right, the, the machine, you know. I did not recognize that's what that. I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. And and so here's the this is what I was gonna confess is that I'm now certainly so aware of it in this way that I I know where I stand, but do I subconsciously behave in ways that still reinforce that, even in my own family, but or maybe this is in the world, you know, like certainly in the workplace too. I feel like it's a kind of a sticky era to be a 30-year-old white man because you're and that that doesn't I'm not trying to make any kind of sob story or whatever. I'm saying like we are here to be inclusive and and make things equal and especially because I feel like we're kind of a a generation of people trying to set things right. So I my job right out of college is I worked for a culture consulting firm and we did a lot of DNI stuff. So Diversity and inclusion. Yeah, diversity and inclusion. Thank you. And I think the most important element of being someone who is 
an ally is just being aware that no matter mm-hmm. how enlightened you are, mm-hmm. you are going to inevitably, right. we all do, behave in ways that, you know, are not conducive to inclusion. But it's really important. And I, I feel like maybe that's what you're touching on is just knowing that that will happen and being aware of it and constantly checking yourself and trying to fix it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's probably exacerbated by growing up in a culture that is continually reinforcing how important you are simply by being a man right. and how much like power and value just being a man holds. Yeah. I just wanted to add to um, that. It's hard to delineate that question between the church and just culture and history. Absolutely. I mean, that's human. That's Absolutely. the majority of human history yep. has been, governed by by men yep. and written by men and but i do think where this becomes very fascinating and maybe this is where you're gonna ask next is something to do about the way we see women you were talking what was the question it was something about yeah someone asked a question they am said I jump, am i ruining your order no 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 no. this is great because i think it's yeah it's a good kind of different like take important, on it someone topic. said there's two questions we could talk about here what were your so when you were in the church what were your actual opinions on non-mormon women how did you view non-Mormon women and what was, or maybe what even still sometimes is going through your heads when you see girls that are dressed quote immodestly? Yeah. I think that's such a great question. Yeah. How were you taught to view women? Oh, it was like your fault. How dare she wear that? She's like asking for it or whatever. Yeah. And like, mm. it sucks to have to admit this, but I didn't grow out of that till like early twenties. That's crazy to me. I don't know when you guys shook it. Yeah. I never felt that way actually. Still in the church, <laughs> believe it or nice. not. I will, nice. I'll, I'll be, yeah, I'll be vulnerable about this one because thinking about it right now, I, I still have that ingrained to some capacity when I see oh, someone, it, yeah. yeah, like it's I'll still a little bit there. I'll confess that I'll see someone wearing something that is more revealing, mm-hmm. thinking something like she is just driving for attention mm. and oh, right, wants dude. men to see her body the, like, yeah dumbest which is not true no i know it's, it's usually right, right it's usually between women yeah you know, that, oh, right and just or comparing just, each yeah, other wants just to be comfortable <laughs> and i think yeah, yeah that's the bigger thing is yeah she probably just wants to be comfortable or just like wants to look cute yeah yeah and that's all the right super great it. but yeah in, the, in my mind oftentimes it's it's still passing that sort of judgment and interesting. I, I guess i'm a product of society and yeah interesting. <laughs> it's a hard switch to flip yeah and Another thing that I think of when you say that is if she is wearing that because she wants male attention, that's also right. You know, mm-hmm. why is that? Yeah. Oh, right. You know, she, oh, and, she's allowed to and do And the so. empowerment. <laughs> and that's a cool thing, too, is the shift in perspective of like, now you see somebody doing it and you're like, you go, girl. Mm. Like, that's scary. Oh, mm. it's so scary. And like, that's sick that you are so confident mm. that you can ro- like go that way because yeah. in, in a very respectful way, you know, that, yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. kind of. No, no, no. I know what you're saying. But you know, I know yeah. what you're saying. Totally. No, I appreciate you being willing to admit that because it's interesting to read these questions that have come up. My listenership, I think, is 80% women. So it's kind of interesting doing like a panel of men for women yeah. to hear. We were talking about that. For all the women listening, no, this is what your be, husbands I, are thinking. Seriously, <laughs> I think it's really interesting. And it's interesting to sense in these questions how we as women in the church have been really conditioned to care a lot about how we're being perceived by men and how that carries over even outside of the church. Mm -hmm. And I'm sensing a lot of that in these questions where even if we've moved beyond that, there's still this, at least at the very least curiosity of like, are men still judging me essentially for how I dress? And being a father and like having a three-year-old daughter who's not old enough yet to even like think 
about any of this. I treasure these days because I think, oh man, I, I love your innocence. I want to do everything I can to, to make you know that you're the only person. If you love yourself, that's mm-hmm. the most important thing yeah. that I can teach you. Yeah. And I think that uh, kind of the, the upbringing we had didn't instill that totally. in people. Wow. It's interesting to hear you say that because I've never thought about it this way, but teaching women in a different way, and let's talk about this, but teaching women to be afraid of their bodies or wanting to hide their bodies is such a good way of teaching them to not love themselves. And the fact that women were taught that in a way that's different from men in a patriarchal system where men had more power and women were having to confess to men, were having to appease men. Mm -hmm. That's just like another piece of that patriarchal system that I think has like really deep effects. Right. I want to ask about chastity sex stuff because I think there's obviously a big overlap there. I've talked a lot about this from the female perspective. I don't know. I'm curious if growing up as a man, if you ever felt the need to hide your body or be afraid of your body. I know there's a lot of like masturbation shame, pornography shame, Mm -hmm. but how does that play out for you now? I guess. Mm -hmm. Do you still feel like you are overcoming any of that or what is that? I'll say that to answer the first part, sorry. Yeah, please. No, yes. Um, A 10 part question. Well, the first first part, part one is (laughs) definitely no for me. About the body. Yeah, covering my body. body. I never, I worked outside without a shirt and felt comfortable doing that anywhere, everywhere, all the time. Same. I loved it. I was the opposite. I felt naked. You got the short garments, Bentley, so you like to rock your. I didn't even shorts. have like a good body, but I remember just no, like you did, bro. That's what I'm saying. I love. I had a great body, and I didn't need to wear clothes, and felt great. Bentley's been handsome since he was 11 years old. His face hasn't changed. Go look at photos. <laughs> what I'm saying from <laughs> Callan as well. Callan cut mother. Oh yeah, tell him. What I'm saying from a chastity perspective is that absolutely not. I felt zero negativity or shame around what I was wearing in that mm. way until I got garments, and there were some garments showing. That's different, but but what what did I feel in that regard was a lot of shame around masturbation for sure. Mm-hmm. Very normal human <laughs> behavior. Yep, a healthy developmental. Yeah, I mean it can be taken uh, too far. Uh, I would argue, but yeah, I mean a lot of shaming around that and just turmoil whenever that would come up and leading to the mission and then after the mission mm. and then dating. Yeah, big time. Just having to confess and oh go through that all the time. Just circles and circles of... Lots of shame, So lots much of guilt. guilt. Yeah, a lot of guilt. Yeah. Tons of guilt. From a teen, like from a young teenager to like, I just felt so guilty. And you rationalize it in the church too. Like it is human. It's beautiful. Sex is beautiful, but you can't do this. You have to wait till marriage. Mm-hmm. And you also rationalize like it's not, we're not supposed to feel shame. It's, it's heavenly guilt, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. So like there are all these rationalizations and I get it. I don't know. I won't say that I get it, but I did experience that. I felt that that's kind of what, where my, my brain was and how it rationalized it, but still felt bad every time. And that was hard. Do you feel like any of that has carried over or was it easy when you got married to shake that? Or do you feel like you still have sexual shame stuff? Any of you? I think I'm still processing or like deconstructing a lot of it. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I still feel guilt around like certain thoughts that I have. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, I, I definitely have shame. What about you, Callan, Jed? 
I want to just add to just really quick that it's interesting to think of things that I still feel grateful for having those morals, but I don't want to shame. I think everyone's experience is different for me. It's very personal too. I feel like not having sex before marriage is, it was overall positive for me. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't, I, I wouldn't, you know, do things differently if I were out of the church going back, but you know, there might be some differences, but, but still, I mean, I, I felt like uh, overall it was good for me yeah. to have some, some boundaries and yeah. morals. So that's kind of interesting to think about too. I know it's really difficult to separate for example, the science or like the psychology around mm-hmm. it's not it's not good for fourteen year olds to have sex. Yeah. But also detaching like the shame religious yeah. elements. It's like, gonna be difficult doing that as a parent. Yeah, like pornography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, totally. that's a whole other totally. topic of yep. you know, it's it, there's a lot of debate for it being totally. bad. Yeah. But we shouldn't shame it. And yeah. it's just yeah, a different perspective. Yeah. Kind of different view of yeah. all those things. It's difficult. I think it's difficult as adults. This comes up a ton with substances and I've talked about it a lot, but to objectively look at science and like health, for example, with substances but also detach that from shame because mm-hmm. those things have been intertwined by the church, I think mm-hmm. very intentionally. And, you know, the church did use a lot of science when it confirmed the doctrinal teachings. Mm-hmm. So those things can be difficult to parse. Yeah. Out. Some of the teachings, like that's not novel. It's not something exactly that the church invented. But we're adding an, yeah. maybe a more uh, magnified element of mm-hmm. shame to it. Yeah. Jed, do you want to talk about being a wonder of the world? Uh, <laughs> is this the place to do this? If you're willing, I can cut it. You but I think it's I think it's bro. pretty fascinating. This guy, this guy. I know. Maybe th- maybe this is fascinating. Can we talk about how Haley called this a wonder of the world that Jed? Isn't yeah. that pretty rare? Is it? Let's I find out. It it's another poll. I thought it was like incredibly. Let's incredibly get a poll rare. going. We should. I'll do a poll. An anonymous. Yeah, that'd be nobody's okay. gonna want to know that they're clicking yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, and, and it's like it's easy for me to say, obviously, that this is the the truth. Believe it or not, that for whatever reason, it never was a part of my life. Like I, mm. I had uh, designed some kind of safety nets or something. Let's like, cut to the chase. You never masturbated until after marriage. Yes. There we go. Uh, so when Bishop's I was, interview. well, <laughs> I actually, there's... Haley, our bishop, where we, I don't feel, I'd love to be a bishop. I don't feel I'm sorry I'm alone. alone in this <laughs> room. Let me, let me get you to the top here. Did you or did you not? Here's, here's the truth. So the thing is, yeah, for, for whatever reason, I was so unaware that like people were looking at porn for real. Like we didn't talk about it. The homies actually, here, we never spoke. About we it. were did you talk about masturbating with nope, each other in high school? Never. Nobody talked about this stuff, We didn't dude. even, like, we weren't allowed. It was almost, a, it felt like a sin to even <laughs> talk about. Yeah, and maybe that was me, like, setting that tone because I was like, we're not. It's true. Off Jed, here, what, Jed, you know? like, like, nothing could fly with Jed. You no, think you the garments were bad. Nothing. Think about other shit. No, but did you want to talk about it? Were you thinking about it and being like, man, I wish I could get my. Well, I will say that trying to confess to my bishop for the first time on that was, was painful. Oh man, sweating. Mm. How old were you? For weeks before I got. Oh, do you yeah. want to tell us I how old you were? It. How old were you? I don't think it was till right up against my mission. Okay, so you were an adult. I mean, yeah, an eighteen-year-old. Yeah, I, yeah. I was a. I confessed in high school multiple times. I, it was so scary. Yeah. So for whatever reason, we, we never, never talked about it. Yeah, we never. I never looked at porn. I never. That's and it, nice. and, it, and again, that sounds. <laughs> it sounds even like a flex at this point i look back and i'm like that's kind of unhealthy for a man to go so long without understanding 
the physiology of yeah. of the human body and life. Again, I don't think anyone will be jealous. <laughs> right. Thank you. I know. I remember being on my mission and uh, I remember having these wet dreams that were so vivid and I felt like somewhat responsible for them. I, I felt so guilty about this mm -hmm. getting at that. I went and told my mission president mm -hmm. and I remember like being like crying and, and explaining like I'm having these wet dreams and I like, I, I can't control them and yeah. I want them to go away. And like, and do? then, and then he was like, and the elder, I just want you to know that, you know, you probably are doing something you shouldn't be because otherwise you wouldn't be in here. He's like, but my respect for you has risen. He's like, thank you for coming and confessing to mm -hmm. me. And I was like, this is complicated because like you didn't understand, like I actually didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Like I could tell you today, the conscious times I have masturbated. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's different. That would be a different confession to that <laughs> mission president. Uh, that's personal. But the truth is at the time I could like with a clean conscience say like, no, I wasn't doing that. Yeah. And, um, he thought the very fact that you felt guilty about something yeah. went to show that you had done right. something wrong. So yeah. then, yeah, I mean like, Sure, there's a ton of complexity around Carly and I's relationship when we first started dating and like Durfin, mm -hmm. Levi Lovin and all mm -hmm. those things. And I broke quick. I like mm -hmm. go and crying to my bishop again because mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I remember that. I, I, went, I was Durfin too hard. And this yeah. happened. Yeah. And, 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 and he was like lecturing me on like that, you know, Christ died on the cross for that mm -hmm. and like put put a man's death it, it like equated a man's death and agony to the like sexual experience I had. Yeah. The first one really. Yeah. And what does that do to your brain chemistry? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it's a huge deal. I've had moments where I've had to step back and realize. And again, you mentioned this earlier, Callan, society at large, there's a lot of overlap, right? This is not uniquely Mormon. I do think there are a lot of things about it uniquely Mormon. Latter-day and... Saint, please. <laughs> what did you say? Latter-day Saint. Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, please. <laughs> I actually had someone leave me a review and they're like, um, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who Haley refers to as Mormons. <laughs> okay, sorry. It's too long. It's too long. What a fucking f weird flex. I know. It's weird. Anyway. I would have pulled that on you. I've had to step back and realize... It really sucks to have been messed up that deeply sexually. That's a that's a huge loss, I think. And I think men and women experience that in different ways, but in really significant ways. And whether that happens through society or society meets Mormonism, it's unfortunate. And to your point, Callan, I think there are some benefits of, I think there certainly are benefits of waiting to have sex till a certain developmental age and all those sorts of things. But being taught to feel so terrible about having sexual experiences is just oh, right. unhealthy oh no and, and absolutely the same goes for like i don't know how it's been in your guys' marriages but like we constantly are deconstructing this in ours mm -hmm. what influence those that sexual context and yeah. and and like what did we call it like the the downloading of that software mm. into our lives and, and how does that how does that affect the way that we are intimate with one another yeah which is, it's kind of a shame that you don't feel comfortable because of a way somebody made you feel when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. So you can't be that comfortable with me or your Someone life you love partner. and trust. Yeah, yeah, it's like... Totally. And so we're constantly working on that. Yeah, tons to work through. I think all post-Mormons should see a sex therapist. Okay, I'm going to ask one more question and be thinking if there's any final thoughts you want to share. Um, Callan wanted to say see. something about how he wished everybody would leave 
the church regardless how he thinks of your, like a lot your better than... was what was it about your enlightened <laughs> yeah let me mansplain <laughs> the truth <laughs> that's I mean, what we need on this podcast the truth. <laughs> that's what this is for right the truth podcast let's get into the history uh, do you really know who joseph smith was joseph smith the young I boy okay year, this is an interesting question <laughs> <laughs> There was a so look, <laughs> This is an interesting question that we'll end on. When, if ever, do you remember becoming aware of your position of privilege in the church? Was it when you were active? Was it did that not come until after you left? When I left, maybe actually when I married you and you were you were then I told you. Then you told me <laughs> you started to say you were always a little more critical or challenging the church. Mm-hmm. When when I married you, you like your perspective opened my eyes to that. You don't remember as like a teenager ever looking around and being like, why are the boys doing this thing and the girls not able to or anything like that? No. I mean, I well, I just was like, oh, it's because they don't have the priesthood. Mm-hmm. So they can't. Yeah, I, I rationalize it in my head as Same. we're biologically different. Mm-hmm. We're just different, which is all true. Yeah. But... It's just a way to rationalize the inequality as well. Oh, you know, using that uh, right, biology, well, we're all different. We have different roles. Yeah, Haley, to answer the question too, very recently, it wasn't even till a little bit after leaving the faith that I even looked back and was like, genuinely recognizing, oh man, like I was the ideal candidate for this mm-hmm. enterprise, mm-hmm. and. No wonder it kind of had an effect on me. It was so pivotal in my life because when you look around to, to other people's experiences, you, you realize like, oh, like as a woman, you were ancillary to the core, you know, the, the nucleus of it all or whatever. And, you know, it's kind of just dawning on me now often as I talk about it too, right? I understand why you brought us on. Yeah. <laughs> it just came, yeah. comes full circle. We were, yeah. de- it was designed for us. Yeah. 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 What a good question for, for this format. Mm. Um, the first thing that that made me feel that way was having someone close to me in college, um, more than one actually, that was homosexual. Mm. So there's a spot of privilege, mm-hmm. but I didn't really internalize it at that point enough for me to to leave or or really make any kind of movement there. So I think again, I can I can be most grateful for Ken in that mm-hmm. aspect. Is she's taught me a lot, yeah, about that and understanding or hearing her perspective and just being there to listen yeah and her checking me too um i'm making it sound like i'm just like this amazing <laughs> listener and you know i just I think you learned from my <laughs> my wife harking under my wife but no it, it was her checking me <laughs> honestly like checking uh, me at the Ken door the matriarch, as well i feel that be. so much with Haley too yeah she's she's helped me a ton to, cool. to understand that privilege go go, yeah. go girls yeah we real. get woke wives no i think that's i mean i'm hesitating to praise you all for it because i mean you should listen obviously but it's a lot of people don't you know so i feel for people maybe listening in mixed faith dynamics who feel like they're struggling so deeply with that hurt of feeling like a minority or repressed and feeling like the person, whether because they're male or because they're straight or whatever, are not at the very least willing to listen. Because I think sometimes that's what it takes for people who the system is built for is to be willing to listen to someone who's able to point out, okay, this might be working for you, but can you imagine what it feels like for me? So 
I do think good on you for listening. That should be, you know, the standard, obviously, but it's unfortunately not always the case. Okay, I think we're going to wrap with that. But are there any final lingering thoughts, feelings? Shall we end with a song? <laughs> ah, ham of man, ham of constant sorrow. I've seen trouble all my days. Closing hymn, so beautiful. Actually, can we do a closing hymn? And then cut that out and put like the actual closing hymn. I might miss the hymns. Jeez.